Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 150, that's right, 150 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. And holy cow, that feels pretty freaking legit, Becky. What do you think? Um, (laughs) If I had a button to make a sound effect, I would. Um, Oh, wait. You know you guys were waiting for that. Yes. (laughs) Today we're going to get a little bit deeper actually into who I am, the voice behind the message, I suppose, which leaves me feeling a little vulnerable and nervous, like first date style. I mean, I know we did, I think episode one, Mm -hmm. my first podcast episode ever was Who is Allie Miller RD? But that was a lot of surface stuff, like my educational background and, you know, some of my story, I suppose, the the making of the woman. And I think today we're going to go a little deep dive. Yes. If you've hung with us this long, you deserve to know who Allie's favorite housewife is, her favorite Beyonce (laughs) song, and some of the the less surface level um, and even getting into um, her story of how she met Brady and all the things. Yes. Oh, goodness. And, you know, we talked about, speaking of Mr. Miller, uh, we talked about getting Brady and Byron on here, our uh, better halves, if you will, for this episode. But I think we might have to wait until episode 200, maybe when you guys move to Austin and, um, you know, maybe we'll have to make a low-carb margarita, loosen them up, and then then just like lay it on them on a Saturday night. And it it just (laughs) could be, it could be, it could be pure gold. It could also be a disaster. (laughs) But I feel like it could be gold. Oh my gosh. Well, Byron's ready at any time and is, you know, asking when his podcast debut will be. So that's the difference. Actually, <laughs> see, we need to all do our Enneagram testing because what would Byron be? I He'd be know. the like overachiever, yep. <laughs> positive Polly. <laughs> And Brady's like negative Nancy on the other end. So it's a good, a good hybrid balance. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So yes, maybe for 200, but not yet. I just can't believe we're at 150 episodes and I've been on what about a hundred of them more than a hundred plus. Yeah. yeah, hundred plus. Yep. So, so yeah, Becky, before we get all up in my business, since you've been here for the majority of the naturally nourished podcast, what is your favorite or best episode ever? Okay. Well, full disclosure, I never re-listen to episodes um, because despite knowing that they are pure gold, I send them out to people all the time. I do not like to hear the sound of my own voice. So just going <laughs> off of memory, um, I think 42 has a special place in my heart because that was actually my first episode and I would probably hate to hear what I sound like, or, um, we can say that, uh, my podcasting styles probably evolved, you know, worlds and worlds 
beyond that. Um, so 42 transitioning from vegan. I think that was a really good one where we did tell some of our own personal stories. Um, it was a fun episode, kind of funny at times. Um, and then 51, what the hell, um, was also, I think a really good one that sticks in my mind as a rebuttal to what the health. So I'm going with those OG episodes. Do you I have think, a favorite? I think they're both good ones. <laughs> I think my favorite as of now is uh, 129. Are you running on adrenaline? That one really dug into a, a lot of kind of where my passion lies current still and in my personal work and, and what the work I'm doing with my uh, clientele currently, a lot of like self-actualization Uh connecting the dots of internal self-speak and where you're finding yourself today and you know how that in itself could be a stressor and also connecting the dots that a lot of people don't recognize the physiological stressors that we take on uh, beyond exercise and those chosen health supporting stressors but the role of like dysbiosis or metal toxicity and how many of us are in this wiry electric charge imbalanced mode of over drive and needing to kind of recognize our own Achilles heel within that, but also the space of our internal self-talk, our thought patterns, and how those can exacerbate or aid in resolving those adrenaline surges. So that one's one of my favorites where I think I really started to kind of enter in a lot of talk on mantra and um, you know, downloading that cassette reel that we hear in our heads over and over again and re-recording over some of the mean girl speak uh, and so forth. So 129, running on adrenaline. And then I think probably on a like information that needs to get out there, which I guess I would say that for that one as well, but 84, the importance of detox on keto, I think we'll probably do for like another one, another version of something like that. I find myself always sending that, especially when there's new listeners to the Naturally Nourished podcast or people find me on social media and uh, they've been doing some form of a low carb diet or have hit themselves against a wall as far as their progress with their keto. I find time and time again after conferences and whatnot that there are so many individuals that are dealing with uh, issues based on endocrine disrupting hormones, a lot having to do with dynamic body fat loss and the upregulation of expression of toxins in their body, not supporting uh, their system with phase one and phase two nutrients that drive actual biochemical detox support. So episode 84, Importance of Detox on Keto, I think was also a top episode for sure. Yeah, you're right. That one kind of gets buried in the <laughs> archives if you're just going back and listening from like a hundred on. So we'll have to do, they do? A that's like two. 50% mark. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's crazy. Yep. That's pretty wild. Um, and it doesn't feel like that long ago. I mean, we've been really diligent about recording and, and getting an episode out to you guys every single week um, since I came on, right? We haven't missed it. Every week. That's right. We're so committed. <laughs> we are. We are. And consistency is key. And that's half of the battle. <laughs> and that's why we keep teasing this damn YouTube channel, which something will happen with that. It's coming. <laughs> Don't worry. But it's just one of those things that you can't, you can't start the gas on the tank and then pull your foot off the pedal. So, you know, be ready world. Just wait. Once book tour is behind me and we're in 2020, which is 
crazy scary to say out loud. Uh, I got I got the vision. The vision board is in rock and roll mode, and um, I'm excited to put out more media growth for you guys and free resources. Well, and we have to wait on your beautiful newly remodeled kitchen for that, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I think that was all in there. It just was maybe an untapped part of the vision board, yep. but. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes these things take time. Okay. Um, so before we go deeper today, cause I think we're going to get deep at least momentarily before we lighten things up again. Um, let's have a word from our sponsor for today's episode, further food. Yes. So further food products are the highest quality collagen, gelatin, and health tonic foods. Their collagen is grass-fed, pasture-raised, and wild-caught, non-GMO, hormone-free, and antibiotic-free. It is the collagen and gelatin that I use exclusively in my household, and I couldn't be more excited to announce that Further Food is going to be my gold-tiered sponsor for the Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook Tour. So for those of you guys that meet me on tour, I will have goodies from Further Food. Another reason for you to come get a, a hug, uh, share with me your success stories. I will sign your book and I'll give you some goodies from Further Food. Yes, but don't wait till book tour to start using Further Food because their products are freaking awesome. We love Ashley and her whole team and have loved being in collaboration with them um, and seeing them evolve and grow and develop new products over the last, what have we known them a year, two years now, two, um, plus, two years, yeah. yeah, two plus years um, that we've known of them, but we absolutely love their collagen travel sticks, um, especially with, you know, summer wrapping up and, and end of summer travels really awesome to keep for an on the go hit of collagen to support hair, skin, nails, gut integrity when you're traveling to increase your protein. Cause oftentimes, you know, you're going longer times without eating when traveling or maybe eating a little bit more off plan and you need that gut support. So I love their collagen sticks for that reason. And then I'm really digging on their gelatin. I just made their, um, our peanut butter chocolate, what's it called? Peanut butter chocolate gelatin. You were talking about it on Instagram or something, Allie, and, yes. and I whipped it up that same night. I was like, yes, that's, that's what my body needs, um, with a scoop of their gelatin in there. And it was so good. Awesome. Stella loves that recipe as well. So we can link it in today's show notes. And then they also have their, uh, daily turmeric tonic, which is a great anti-inflammatory blended with some therapeutic, uh, botanicals and the mindful matcha, which I've been using really as just a replacement for like a ceremonial grade matcha. It has wheatgrass in there. It also, um, has some other supportive herbs that they work in collaboration with, really top-notch herbalists and functional medicine practitioners. So go on over to furtherfood.com, use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout, explore all of the things that they have to offer. Um, again, furtherfood.com, AllieMillerRD, and you will get 10% off your first order. All right. So let's start the deep dive on Allie Miller. Is that what we're calling today's episode? I don't know. It sounds a little sexual. I don't think oh. we want to deep dive oh, no. in no. me no. or something. <laughs> Oh my I gosh. think we'll have that, to rephrase it. That's Just not getting to know, going. getting to know <laughs> Ali in a non-sexual way. Okay, good. <laughs> the, the subheading. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I like it. I can, I can see your design aesthetic. Yep, yep. It'll be like a smaller font, you know, just underneath italics. Um, can you guys tell we have fun on here? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so starting with 
the roots or your family. Let's talk about where you come from and uh, give a little love to Nance and J-Dog. So are you from a family of entrepreneurs or um, what was your experience growing up that you feel formed your career and more importantly, who you are as a person? Oh, let's see. <laughs> deep dive already, girlfriend. <laughs> so no, I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. Uh, in fact, uh, when I when I went off to kind of do my own thing after I worked for a physician's practice group, uh, my dad was like, are you sure you don't just want to invest into her clinic? <laughs> you know, like that would be more uh, of a conservative move. Um, so my dad's in finance and business, um, does like equity trading and whatnot. Uh, my mom was a nurse, um, total kind of like standard uh, Roman Catholic middle-class family household, Midwest, uh, lived in Wisconsin and Illinois back and forth a couple moves. Um I think moving actually helped me, uh, although I wouldn't want to admit it always. I remember the most dynamic move was from second to third grade. We moved from Naperville, Illinois to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I remember, you know, like that loss of friendships and the soccer team and all of the things. And I also went from a public school to a private school and the classroom was super small, like I think 18 or 20 kids per grade. Um, and, uh, I think though that that probably created a little bit of self-confidence of kind of having to push restart or reset. Um, my brother was at a more difficult year. I think he, he was in fifth grade during that transition. So a little bit more of a hit going into middle school type thing. Um, but let's see, we're Polish and Irish. Um, I think that one of the greatest influences on, me as a person, my character, discipline, and uh, where I am in my career is probably dance. I was a dancer from age seven through 19 and um, probably from age like 14 to 18 or maybe even, you know, starting a little earlier than age 14, like seventh, eighth grade, I got really, really committed to dance. Like I wanted to be a professional dancer and I was spending 12 to 18 plus hours a week in the studio. I was teaching dance starting at age 14. I was a classroom assistant and then started getting paid as a dance teacher. Uh, very foundational influence on discipline and confidence. Um, so, I mean, we had a really tight dress code. Everything was you know, you couldn't show up late or you had to sit out uh, from bar. I, I think that everything that I do as far as performance in the sense of um, TV segments and public speaking and whatnot was really formed in in the foundation of being a ballerina and a dancer. And um, my studio was one that was not really competition-based, but really kind of classically based, which I think was also a benefit. And as I prepared for competition in a pageant, it was Miss Dance Masters of Wisconsin, which I won in 2001. Uh, I didn't um, know that. <laughs> yeah. See, all these layers. I had a crown and everything and a big old trophy. Um, that's when I really first learned about poise on stage and how to answer questions and some public speaking skills. I think that that all kind of started to layer in. So I was 15 or 16 when I won Miss Dance Masters of Wisconsin. And I learned, you know, right away when a question is asked, 
you slowly repeat the question as you're formulating your answer and it's a fluid and, and, you know, you breathe instead of saying, um, and so I think a lot of my skill set as my comfort level, I'll come from that, that ground of, of performance and dance. I can totally see that. Um, and, oh, and rhythm nation yeah. was my dan- um, it was Janet Jackson oh, rhythm nation. Oh. <laughs> at, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Dun, dun, dun. That, that, that was my uh-huh. win. Is there um, video footage anywhere? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there was some form of running man yeah. in it <laughs> and sharp arms, jazz fingers, you know. Oh my gosh. It was a black costume with uh, gold. Yeah. I could probably still rock it. I'm sure. Yeah. I danced when I was younger, but not that seriously. And not <laughs> as long as you did, but I can still see it in you the way you like hold yourself and catch you kind of standing sometimes I'm like, yep, that's, that's a ballerina. Cause I think when you have that, you, you never really lose it. Definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not. And, and, and to some points of a bad way, like I never had a actual eating disorder or anything, but I was very body aware sure. You know, I would definitely say that. And um, I think in high school, something that many of you probably don't know about me is that I used to smoke cigarettes. And um, in high school, I would uh, skip lunch and have a Diet Coke and cigarettes. Um, so that was a not good move. <laughs> to be clear, I slapped my not, wrist. This is not clear, a recommendation. <laughs> not food as medicine. Oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember doing that. And like, you know, I also thought calories in, calories out. Like I would eat Sour Patch Kids because they were fat free. Uh, some of those dumb teenage moves. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I lived on Slim Fast Bars for like two years. So I understand. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, so I know a lot of listeners kind of know you as a little bit of a radical in some sense. Where do you think that that came from? Do you have leaders in your family or um, <laughs> where, where did kind of that, that radical like free spirit and all of that come from? Yeah, I think that my dad was a pretty good hippie um, in some sense, uh, but I really think that my family was a lot more of rule fault. Well, like I, I believe that there was some story about my dad in some like investment firm, and his boss told him that he had to he had like a Fu Manchu mustache in the seventies, and yeah, no, can you see it? And I think his boss said like, "Oh, you have to cut that if you want a pay scale." raise or whatever. And so despite that, you know, I think my dad kept the mustache for like three years when he really didn't care about it just to like stick it to the man. I don't know if he didn't get the raise. I should follow up on that. But either way, (laughs) kind of funny. That's the most radical that I've heard (laughs) in my family. Um, But uh, I I think that I, you know, really, I, I embody more probably of like the hippie mindset and more of like the term of like, you know, no judgment, love is love, people, people and humanity overall. Um, I think the first kind of manifestation of being radical was not in nutrition, but was more in like civil rights. Um, I used to be in a lot of anti-war organizations in Iowa. Um, This was like during Iraq war times uh, and a lot of protests. I've been 
close enough to my fair share of tear gas. And um, this is all new, right? Look at all these layers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, A lot of uh, civil disobedience, as we'd call it, a lot of sit-ins and um, uh, up till 3 a.m. tracing bodies around the downtown city and up at the Capitol to show the amount of, you know, um, bodies that have been lost. And um, then I also channeled some of my radical opposition with uh, vegan outreach groups. I know, don't throw eggs at me yet. Um, but uh, that's really what got me to Bastyr. And then I became more active in like FARFA, which is the Farm and Ranch Freedom Alliance. So they do more, you know, now current on brand work as far as like anti-GMOs, access to raw milk, advocating for independent ranchers and farmers and, you know, livestock owners, more of like the cottage food law for, um, you know, individual small companies being able to produce and and, uh, sell products without a commercial food grade and so forth. So a lot of the food stuff probably happened like 2005 and then just kind of shifted its its root, if you will, as I redefined my personal relationship with food and more animal uh, inclusion and more of a paleo ancestral health approach. Okay. And when did you have dreadlocks? <laughs> uh, geez. Uh, that was 2000. So I had a really radical shift from being a ballerina and I went to the university of Iowa as a, a dance major. And I had this like really hard shift of like, I don't want to be defined by what I look like. So I come into this industry. It's a really interesting thing being a quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, influencer now or whatever it is. Um, because I'll, I'll never have like that curated content where it's just like me opening my fridge with a full face of makeup on <laughs> like photo credit, you know, that's never going to be me. Um, cause I really feel like content is what I provide, not, um, an image, right. I'm not a two dimensional being. Um, and I had this, I think that that is probably a piece of all of this. And also that like kind of confidence that you're defined by what you do, not by what you look like. And you're defined by how you, who you are is how you treat others and the reflection of that. And, um, I had a really big transition, like age 19 to probably 21, I think were the years that I had a full head of dreadlocks. And I remember like crying when I put them in, I didn't like do it to be like hippie chic. It was a really big process. Like I, I was actually really reading a lot about like Rastafarianism and whatnot and, um, you know, what it meant to be dreadful and how the nappier you could be on the exterior, the more you can really find and provoke spirit. And um, I, for three years also, two years hardcore, wore no makeup. And I mean, like didn't even fill in my eyebrows, didn't wear anything, like just like Bronner's, uh, which is a Dr. Bronner's like Castell soap, hemp soap. And that's all I used (laughs) on my everything. Um, And yeah, I totally had full on hairy armpits and uh, yeah, did that whole deal. And um, then I did comb them out instead of cut them, which was a terrible decision. Yeah. It hurt. I mean, I I didn't have a natural childbirth. I had an emergency C-section, but I've been told that it hurts more than natural childbirth. It was bad. I was vomiting through the process, Um, but that was like another part of me being an Mm -hmm. like iron willed, stubborn beast of like, I'm going to go through the process of undreading myself versus just like cutting it and freeing myself of the experience. Now the hair was so damaged that I had to like cut it off anyway, which was annoying, but 
you know. Gosh, we told you guys we were going to go <laughs> deep. I had no idea that there were so many layers. And if we're lucky, maybe <laughs> I can steal a picture of Allie with her dreads to put in today's show notes, oh, but she probably won't let dive. me. <laughs> I thought oh they were gosh. cute. They were pretty good. I, yeah, I rocked them for three years. Brady had them for a short period of time, mm-hmm. um, but mine were long, mine held longer. <laughs> Um, and it was really funny actually seeing the evolution of my family, sure. this like, you know, Midwest, pretty like conventional minded. Like I remember being at Panera for instance with my mom and like her getting really angry because these women in Brookfield, Wisconsin were like giving me a stink eye. Like I was some like, you know, crazy person. And I remember her being like, it just really frustrates me because, you know, you're on the honor roll and you're intelligent and you're civically active. And I was like, mom, I don't need to prove anything to them. I am who I am. And that's what this is about. It's a juxtaposition about harsh and softness. It's a ju- it was like I had like such intention and purpose with the dreadlocks that it was very I was very all about it. Um and it was interesting though to see like my environment and like my direct family members and people kind of like whoa, that's kind of crazy and um you know, just just watching me transform into breaking out with a shell, I guess breaking up with a shell of my external being. Uh, but I think ultimately that that really has helped me where I am today in this environment, in this industry, never feeling like I'm, I'm not confident within my own body. Sure. Yep. Um, what would you say would be like the most surprising part of who you are today? Like what would high school or early 20s alley be shocked or surprised by? Because it sounds like there's been some continuity in that like your level of intensity, let's just call it, (laughs) (laughs) that like steadfastness and, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I, I think I would be surprised at where my career's taken me in the sense of, um, like the growth and the level. I mean, I still am pretty awestruck and excited about the opportunity that still lies within my realm of capabilities. I think that probably what would have been what would be the most surprising is how much of an introvert I've become. Um, I am still very community oriented. And in fact, now I'm like at this stage of craving community. But again, I keep like signing these book deals and these things that (laughs) make me need to burrow into a tunnel and do. Um, I think my purpose right now is just so strong on a grand scale that it has not allowed me to service direct in my community um, because my community being much of it virtual is so widespread. Um, But I think that that's probably the biggest surprise in the sense that like when I'm not doing work um, in the sense, the classic sense of work, like, you know, putting out content or uh, working with a client or whatnot, especially Stella has brought to terms. I think if I wasn't a mama, I would uh, have a lot more like socializing and that like dichotomy of like work hard, uh, play hard. And I think right now it's like work hard, root deep. <laughs> like it's like work hard and then like sleep in, cuddle, mellow, hike. Um, so I still have a lot of the elements and the streaks, but I think that I, I don't have um, as much of as a social community as I would have thought I would have. But I think that in the same sense, the community that I have is wider expanding than I would have thought it would. And so maybe it's, it's a different depth, a different, a different form. That totally makes sense. And we're glad to be part of your little community. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I'll do dinner parties yep. with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
So before we move on, let's talk about you and Brady. I know you met in high school, right? But you were not high school sweethearts. No. Um, So yeah, we both went to the same private school and uh, it was pretty small. So there were like a hundred people, wait, no, like 300 people per grade, if you will. Okay. So like it was like 1200 people in the school, the high school. Um, and, uh, so actually two of my bridesmaids were in, (laughs) were, were Brady's exes. That's like (laughs) how small some of the social (laughs) circles were. Right. Because like, if you're like in a certain circle, there's like maybe 80 to hundred people in that, but that was a third of your class. Right. And Brady was a year older than me. So, uh, yeah, two of my good friends dated him. So I knew who he was, but he actually lived like north of the area that I lived. And so we lived like 40 minutes away, even though we went to the same high school. So we didn't really socialize that much, but there was one distinctive party that I remember like flirting with him when I was dating another guy. And I think, I don't know if he was in a relationship or whatnot, um, and being like, Ooh, and then like the next week at school, not really seeing him in the halls and being like, okay, well, whatever. Um, and then it was when I had graduated high school, uh, Brady was living in Burlington, Vermont, and he was back in town at like a high school party. And, uh, we hung out all night and then he called me the next day and the rest is kind of history. So we started dating the year that I was preparing to go to university of Iowa. So after my senior year of high school, that summer, and then how did it evolve from that? I know that, I know that was an epic um, voicemail from <laughs> first met. I oh, think your yeah. parents. Well, that was the first it. call. <laughs> yeah, there was just a lot of like, "Hey, babe." <laughs> I don't know. I thought like maybe if you like wanted to, we could hang out. It was it was very Brady. Brady's always channeled the like Keanu Reeves yeah. uh, from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> That's like his MO of communication. And um, yeah, I mean, he's just amazing. He's, I, I don't think I'd be anywhere without him. And he's beyond my best friend and always keeps me laughing and helps to lighten my intensity. I had a um, member, uh, Laura, who used to work for uh, Naturally Nourished, uh, an admin that told me that she could physically feel my energy change when Brady would walk through the door. Um, I think that's kind of true, actually. <laughs> like, like there's just this when I used to be in the Houston office and I was like running a ship and had, you know, seven employees and blah, blah, blah. It was just like constant fires going out. And like Brady's presence was just very like Brady is like a water to my pitta, my fire. And um, not in a oppositional way, in like a like mellow your hustle way. And of course, uh, I mean, we've been together for I think 17 years. So we've had a lot of like where we mismatch energy and whatnot, but generally speaking, he kind of helps me to find my, my B, the underlying current, if you will, within my madness, which allows me to stay focused and present and, um, not burn out. Um, so he's always been really great at, at that, that grounding force. Okay. So we didn't get him on the podcast, but he got a substantial shout out, I would say. I know. What other Bradyisms? I know. Anything else, Becky? Oh man. He's such a character. He likes to say the word dude. Dude. I mean, I think, yeah, I I say dude probably way too much Uh because of Brady Miller influence. Um, But I do feel like, I do feel like a dude is, you know, now that everyone's claiming pronouns, 
Um, I, that's been a new evolution. Like I, I was talking to some Bestier, which is the, I went to Bestier University, the naturopathic college of medicine outside of Seattle. And I'm going to be doing some stuff there for book signing. And, um, I was uh, communicating with a professor and, you know, it says in her email signature pronouns, I prefer she, her, hers. Have you seen people doing that already? Um, Well, I didn't know that. And um, I think dude, dude prevails. (laughs) Dude prevails gender. Like dude is always okay. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. I love it. Inspired by If anyone has an issue with the pronoun, yeah, I'm I'm going to. Well, that's why I like dude. Yeah. It is a pronoun, right? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the yeah. way that we use it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> well, that's why I like y'all so much. Like the pronoun. Yeah. Because it's inclusive. Right. Speaking of y'all. I know. You've been in Texas. Yes. You've been married to Brady for 10 years now. Just celebrated your 10th anniversary. And is it 10 years in Texas or 10 plus? Well, we, same. Yeah. We moved to Texas in 2009. So 10 years in Texas and, um, we moved to Houston, Texas for the Texas medical center. I talked a little bit about that in that episode about like becoming a functional medicine practitioner or a nutrition professional. And, um, yeah, so I, when I left Bestier, I wanted to stay West coast. I wanted to, do a paid internship, obviously, because I had so much student debt. Um, but none of those plans worked out. Uh, the the two or three schools that I applied for didn't take me. And thank God, University of Houston, Texas recruited me. Otherwise, I would not be here today. Um, I probably would have just been like working at a natural foods co-op and would have like stayed in the West Coast and just kind of been hanging out. I'd still be doing what I'm doing to a certain level, but not to the as wide of a scale. And I would not have as much medical education by any means for sure. Um, so I moved to Houston. I did the University of Houston dietetic internship. And that's where I got to rotate at MD Anderson and uh, Texas Methodist Hospital and Texas Children's, uh, Texas Women's, so many of the biggest hospitals or most renowned in the country. And um, then took a really killer job for uh, just shy of three years uh, running a physician's practice group as their director of integrative medicine. So that was like a continued educational internship as I was able to work hand in hand with physicians and really learn about their process and whatnot. And then in 2006, 17, uh, yeah, 2017, uh, spring is when we moved to Austin. Okay. And what's your favorite thing about living in Texas? Huh. I really think of myself as a Texan now for sure. Like when we, when we moved to Austin, we could have moved anywhere. It was this whole, like, so Stella was six months and I knew before I got pregnant with her that I needed to get back to nature and my ethos. Um, you know, I was running my business at that time. I had a, a large office space, a lot of stressors that weren't serving me stressors that I didn't find value added, um, just more depleting. And so I knew I needed to shake some stuff up. And and that's when I really made the hard decision to go virtual. And at that point, we could have moved 
anywhere. You know, we were talking about potentially going back to the Pacific Northwest or um, California or Colorado or wherever it seems more, you know, kind of within our mind, mind state of like nature and, um, you know, more liberal areas and so forth. And um, I love Texas though. I think that Texas is such an unhung, unsung hero. Um, I think Austin obviously gets like a, a more hip, uh, which is maybe one of the negatives of it. Like everyone thinks it's so cool, you know? So that usually means that there's more shallow, less cool people moving there trying to be cool. Do you find that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know? And that's what I really loved about Houston actually is like when you met cool people in Houston, they were there as a transplant for a career, not because Houston is cool, quote unquote. Sure. And so the real cool people were easier to weed through because they weren't fronting. Um, and in Austin, everyone's just so cool that it's just, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, if you find someone in Houston that like digs kombucha, it's because like they're actually brewing it. Whereas like in Austin, it's like, oh, they read an article about it and now they're like the coolest thing. Um, so that authenticity is a little bit, I think, young sprouted in Austin. Um, you don't get as much of that like root grime that you get in Houston or other areas of Texas. But that's also, to be fair, what I love about Austin is that because it's a health focused market, there's, you know, a lot of up and coming, there's this entrepreneur spirit, there's a lot more connectivity with nature for sure. And that's ultimately why we moved to Austin, not necessarily for the downtown and the the live music capital and the restaurants and whatnot. It was more about, I want to passively be awestruck by nature. And um, I think we achieved that with uh, the space that we uh, moved into and um, also where we're transitioning to next. Yes. And I, I think Houston, yeah, you said grime or like grit would be a, a good, <laughs> it's more gritty, I mean, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. I think of it in a sweet way. Like there's like a sweet yeah, yeah, space yeah. for it. Um, and I mean, I think Houston really was formative in, in my career. I mean, being there eight years and um, I mean, talk about growth as far as professionalism. I was four, four plus solid years with weekly or biweekly TV segments on Fox 26. And that really also helped my confidence interval as far as, you know, from the cuff answering questions, public speaking, compartmentalizing my high level functional medicine education into sound bites. You know, that was a really big successful transition in my career and an opportunity that, you know, I'm not sure would exist otherwise. So Got mad love for Texas. And I love the sweetness of Texas, generally speaking. Uh, there's definitely uh, less than like when I think of like the South, quote unquote, I think of the South as more like say something sweet, talk behind your back. But what I've experienced in Texas to be more like of like that Midwest charm of like, you know, uh, just just a, a warmth and an openness. That totally makes sense. Um, and I think on the outside, I never thought that of no. Texas. But like, <laughs> no, rah, 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 guns. Yep, exactly. There is that too. Yep. Just don't move to the burbs. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk a little bit about Stella. So obviously, you know, that was a big pivotal moment at her six-month mark to be like, hey, I'm getting the hell out of here. I need to escape. And we talked about that in episode 43 um, about kind of your recalibration, living your bliss, all of that stuff and, and fleeing for the hills. But um, how has Stella changed you in becoming a mom and how does she influence you now that she's three? Oh man. 
So I think the biggest thing that Stella does is just in a different way than Brady does, brings me back to my B, but more like making me connected to the moment. Um, You know, Stella is really good at helping me appreciate the now because like they say, the days are long, but the years are fast. And I mean, you just close your eyes and it's like, when did you learn to speak in such clear sentences? And when did you learn to connect with these emotions and have these introspective thoughts and connect these dots? Um, And so I'm really trying to redefine how I am able to look at the day and the moment. And I think she really helps me want to be the most authentic version of myself. You know, so like I, my body craves nature. Like if I'm not hiking, if I'm not uh, kayaking or doing something outside, my body feels it. But more about even who I want to be for my daughter, I want to exemplify something that maybe I'm not living. And that in itself really helps to maintain authenticity. And on a more day to day functional element, she helps me to thin my commitments because it's so much easier to say no to something that's mediocre when she's the alternative, you know? So it has to be like that phrase of, right. If it's, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And for, with putting Stella into the equation, bar none, it's so much easier to make a a yes or no when I'm looking at alternate of hanging out with my daughter. I love that. And, um, I have no idea what that's like, but still is pretty awesome. So, <laughs> um, okay. Let's, um, transition to a little bit more rapid fire, shorter answers, if you would. And then we'll do true rapid fire at the end here. Um, when did you decide you wanted to use food as medicine? Um, and what was the evolution of perspective on diet in one sentence or less? Good luck. <laughs> Repeat again? Uh, Say what? (laughs) (laughs) When did you decide you wanted to use food as medicine um, in your career or what was the evolution of your perspective on diet in one sentence? Okay. Had to think on that. So one sentence, goodness. Uh, That's like pageant answer style, Becky. You're taking me that. (laughs) (laughs) So my evolution of food, well, how about two, two questions, two answers. Okay, fine. I decided I wanted to use food as medicine when I bought into the belief that you are what you eat and that everything you eat can either drive destruction, inflammation, imbalance, or can drive optimization, anti-inflammatory effects, and help to manifest balance. And I took that a layer further with, you know, my perspective of food as medicine includes targeted nutritional supplement therapy. And I continue to evolve it on a daily basis because if I didn't, that would be boring. And that also would mean that I wasn't pushing myself and that I wasn't expanding and growing. And I would expect that of anyone that I follow, anyone that I look up to, if they are stagnant and rigid, then they're likely experiencing disconnect within their body. And that takes me full circle into what I've used as one of my strongest mantras over these past five years. Doctrine creates disconnect, right? This concept that 
if something becomes Bible, if something becomes the law, the way, and it's not working for you and your body's telling you, then you need to create or explore another way. Uh, So my personal perspective on diet really shifted pretty dramatically when I was going through my infertility treatment with Stella. Uh, Sorry, I never did treatment. I didn't mean to use that word. My infertility struggles, I suppose. And, um, you know, I always, I was practicing a ketogenic diet since 2009, since I started running a weight loss clinic for that physician's practice group. And it was a ketogenic program for a year that would have people sign on to, and we would do more of a VLCD, very low calorie diet, extreme, um, just drink only shakes for 12 weeks, lose 50 pounds, many people would within that three month period of time, and then, you know, maintain with lifestyle and diet. And I, you know, said I would only run that program if I could focus on quality of foods, talk about grass-fed, talk about importance of phytocompounds, antioxidants, and empower them on a higher level with food as medicine after they've kind of broken up with food addiction in that first three months. And then, you know, of course, went on to evolve from there. But I never personally thought that I needed keto. Isn't that an interesting thing? Um I I thought that for so long, you know, the ketogenic diet was a tool for epilepsy and was a weight loss tool. And I don't think until I did my first personal candida cleanse, uh, which was in 2015, that I, you know, was really tight for six solid weeks in a ketogenic state and then started to experience the benefit beyond the shifts that I experienced with uh, my microbiome and my digestive function and my uterine function to the mental clarity, the likely hormonal slingshot effect that occurred through nutritional ketosis and so much more. And I think that that along with the anti-inflammatory approach of the MRT diet on the tail of that cleanse really, really catapulted me into success as far as getting pregnant And then um, postpartum, it's been a really big tool for me. And I still, you know, define myself, I think, with uh, the term like a a real food keto approach. But again, I, I don't count carbs. I listen to my body and I give my body what it needs and demands. And generally speaking, that means quality protein, an abundant amount of fat, which was quite radical for me. You know, even at 2015, I was eating a higher fat diet, but more of like a zone type diet, I guess. And um, now that that's something that I find myself craving if I'm undernourishing um, and um, very moderate to small amounts of carbs and cycling those per hormone need and also for liberalization and freedom factor. Um, I don't let food rule me. I use food to empower me. And I think that that's a really healthy perspective. I love that. And that was not one sentence, but it's okay. I'll let it slide. (laughs) I know. Give me the microphone. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Let's have a quick break for a word from our sponsor for today's episode, CrowdCow. And then we can go on into more of the fun stuff. Okay. As <laughs> if this wasn't fun already. Uh, CrowdCow delivers the very best craft meat from farm to your table. You get to learn about the breed, the style of the beef, and you get to actually virtually meet the small independent ranch who produced the beef. You get to pick exactly what cuts and quantity you want and deliver it straight to your door. 
Yes, we absolutely love CrowdCow and their mission, which is to help people discover and access the highest quality craft beef and meats and to bring people together, farmers and consumers, families and friends. So CrowdCow is featuring 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef, or you can choose um, grain-finished beef depending on your preference. They've got A5 Wagyu, which we've both had a chance to experience a couple of times now, and it's melt-in-your-mouth amazing. And it's always the very best independent craft beef from producers in their network. So you'll know what you're getting, where you're getting it from, where and how it was raised. Yeah, it's maybe disheartening to know that 84% plus of beef sold comes from industrialized processes and companies that probably don't want you to know how that meat reached you and definitely don't want you to experience how that meat was living or how that cow or other animal source was living and what types of environment, the uh, output of uh methane gases and so much more. So when you're voting with your dollar and you're buying through CrowdCow, you are decentralizing the food system and really keeping small-scale uh, ranches viable. And that's also voting with your dollar for more nutrient density. As we know, there's huge shifts with omega-3 to omega-6 fatty acid profiles, as well as nutrients like selenium, CoQ10, antioxidants and minerals, B vitamins that we'll get from a pasture-raised animal. Go on over to crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished, like the name of the podcast, crowdcow.com naturally nourished for $25 off and free shipping on your first order. Also, when you're over at CrowdCow, check out their keto bundles. You can specifically check out the Allie Miller Naturally Nourished Bundle, which includes cuts that I purchase weekly to feed the Miller household. Go on over crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished. Okay. So let's get into some real rapid fire, quick answer questions to round out today's episode. Um, you're stranded on a deserted Island and you can only take three foods and three pieces of kitchen equipment. So you don't have to really explain them. Just tell me the food and tell me the kitchen equipment. Okay. Eggs, <laughs> coconut, cause coconut includes all forms of coconut. Okay. It's kind of a cheat, right? Cause like if I was able to be very thrifty. I could do that. Coconut oil, coconut milk, coconut water. Yeah. Okay. Eggs, coconut. No. And, uh, and I think I would do between avocado and steak, steak. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Because yeah. Yeah. And then probably greens and avocado, but then I wouldn't have acid and olive oil. So, okay. okay. Eggs, coconut, <laughs> steak. I'm really bad at rapid fire. And the three kitchen equipment pieces would be my chef's knife, which is a Sean Japanese knife, uh, the I think 10-inch or whatever it is, the large chef's knife. That would be sharp as well. Uh, I think I would also take a bowl. I'm not sure if that's necessary equipment or if that counts as equipment, but I think I would need that guy. And um, I'm just laughing. I'm like imagining Brady would be like a citrus press to make margaritas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I think it would be my Vitamix. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm not sure I'd have an electrical outlet on that island, but don't yep. think about that part. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Same question, but three supplements, maybe five. <laughs> okay. I would say uh, targeted strength probiotic, relax and regulate. 
adaptogen boost, probably like my three totally. And then cellular antioxidant, multivail mama, multivail mama, because then I get my, my chelated minerals, I get my B vitamins. So yeah, that maybe multivail mama would have to be in the top three, no yeah. matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. Job. Favorite song. Gosh, what's been in my head so recent, well, like honestly for like a year and a half, probably since the first episode of Big Little Lies, <laughs> yep. Fleetwood Mac <laughs> Dreams, right? So good. So, I know. so good. Favorite Beyonce song though? What's your favorite Beyonce? Flawless. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and I also would put a close second to the Fleetwood Mac Dreams, Rolling Stones, Can You Hear Me Knocking? Okay. Because that song like always makes me feel badass. Like I could just like open a door anywhere. All right. Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if this, this next question is a single uh, <laughs> single word answer, but um, greatest wrong turn made in career or business? Okay, so wrong turn, I think, would have been, um, and I'm not sure it's a wrong turn, but something that I'm happy to be free of, I think, is uh, probably like what goes with growth and ego or or what you quote unquote should have. You know, you guys know I always like to say don't should all over yourself. Um, I think that when I expanded my clinic and had three full-time practitioners and admin staff and health insurance for everyone and was private labeling my supplement line and was trying to teach cooking classes there, it was just – I was just not – taking a moment to say no. And it seemed like the hamster wheel was growing in overhead and stress and the many fires. And again, I wasn't getting that kind of like feedback reward. So that would be it. Being Investing in too large of a space and overhead as a business owner and um, feeling that I needed more staff to expand. When I've actually thinned it down, staff is the, the greatest for my growth. Yep. I think we're doing pretty awesome. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, there's a couple of dating profile type of questions. What's your Enneagram Uh-oh. type? Three. Okay. Which is the achiever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that kind of makes sense. I know. Cats or dogs? Dogs always. Cats is now Brady is really like scared <laughs> of cats. Like, but but neither of us trust cats. We don't trust them. And what would Stella say for that question? She's team cat sometimes. Yeah, I know. I don't think she really gets what it would entail to have a cat though. But. Yeah. <laughs> I think team dogs. Yep. Matcha. Sorry, Stella, no choice. Yep. Matcha or coffee? I'd have to say coffee. I, I, I probably do matcha more, but like if I'm actually craving something, it's coffee all the way. Okay. Wine or cocktails? And I taught Becky and Tulum about sexy coffee. Oh, yeah. Sexy coffee. Brady and I, that was Brady and I's dating term. Sexy coffee is just like coffee souped up. So basically, like we would call a butter and coconut oil coffee sexy coffee. Um, that just means not black coffee. <laughs> it's not that sexy. I think I always get sexy coffee that I never get. I know, get. but I was like, oh, we should get a sexy coffee. Yeah. You were like, what? I like it. And, and like, it usually meant like a like oh like a latte you know but now it's just yeah. coconut oil. I'm thinking you're like putting maca in there and <laughs> yeah no, nothing for libido. That's the term. 
you know, when you only have Brady and I, when we first moved to Houston, had a budget of $7 a day and, um, that included everything. And so it was a really big deal to get a sexy coffee, mm-hmm. you know, oh, like it was like literally like that's your budget. counting your quarters. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh yep. So held a special place. Wine or cocktails? I know the answer to this one. <laughs> wine okay. all the time. I never crave a cocktail. Nope. I'm fine without cocktails always, but wine I like really enjoy. Um, and mountains or beach? Mountains all the way. Okay. Uh, this one, the most important question of the episode, New York Housewives or Beverly Hills? Oh, shoot. New York Housewives, because then that gives me room for Vanderpump mm-hmm. rules. Okay. Uh, Beverly Hill <laughs> coverage, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite housewife? Oh, I don't know because is it one that I love laughing at the most, you know, or like actually resonate with? Um, mm, you can say goodness. both. <laughs> I know. Um, I don't know. I don't think I'm like team anyone. I think they're all pretty terrible and that's why I love it. It's a brain massage. There's a dynamic of being able to watch stupid reality TV when my mind is just otherwise so type A intellectual that I like need that reset button of like jello brain. Yep. You've taught me the ways and I've I've fully absorbed it and learned well. Maybe your adrenals are gonna recover <laughs> from Becky. Housewives. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, you can only listen to so much NPR it's or true. read books. That's true. Your brain's your brain needs a rest. <laughs> true. I went from like nutrition podcast to true crime podcast. I'm like, that's just more stressful. What the hell am I doing? <laughs> I don't think that's good for your cortisol levels it's, at all. It's totally Who's your not. favorite housewife? Um, I really like Sonia Morgan. <laughs> really? Yeah. See, I want to say Luann just because like – Oh, yeah. And it's know. not – I don't like resonate with her or want to be her or emulate her, but just uh, get a good laugh out of her. I know. She's pretty great. Luann's got some yep. singers though, so – Yep. I know. And people would want to say Bethany for me, but like, no, yeah. she's a little bit too harsh. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That's Byron's favorite. <laughs> it's like, she's a boss. Babe. It would be like, okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Let's um, round it out by telling listeners three things that most people don't know about you. Okay. Huh, one, I'm not a morning person at all, ever. Um, Two, I love a good deal. I'm all about value. <laughs> like I like cannot, that's like my hard ingrained whatnot. I hate to shop. Um, that kind of goes within there. Like I don't like spending money. Um, and three, I guess along that line, um, I will always choose nature over glam um, I'll always choose like silence over loud. And, um, I think the other part of that within that is like that I'm more of an introvert by nature. Awesome. Well, there you have it folks. <laughs> there was one I wanted you to ask, okay. but you didn't, but it's okay. It was about, cause I've thought about this before being at 150 podcast episodes, mm-hmm. like, do we need to like go back and re-record? Oh, any? what episode would you redo? <laughs> I think I would redo 15, 14 and 15, which is like keto one and keto part two. Oh, Just yeah. because at that point, I don't think I was eating a ketogenic diet. 
um, you know, we had a different uh, co-host. It uh, just because the community I know is so deep in keto that, but you know what? Again, I, I would never delete it because it's, it was my perspective at the time, and that's authenticity, which is important. And um, I'm always, again, transparent that I'm shifting and growing. And you know, I, I think at that time, uh, I I spoke, of course, favorably and positively with keto, but not from a personal angle like I would today. It's a little different. Well, I think we mentioned keto on almost every episode, so hopefully we've redeemed that. <laughs> I know. As I, say, I think I'm pretty now. much layering yep. Yep. all of the yep. times. Oh my yep. gosh. Well, there you have it, folks. That's Allie Miller know. in a nutshell. And um, <laughs> any, <laughs> any closing thoughts, Allie? Anything else that you want listeners to know? Gosh, no, just that um, I am an extremely passionate person and I love the opportunity to be on this platform and the fact that any of you guys are taking a moment to listen to what I have to say is an extreme blessing and something that I'm beyond grateful for. And it means the world to me to see the growth and expansion of how my message is helping people to optimize and thrive. And it's just so cool seeing DMs and messages and uh, reviews of the podcast and, and hearing how people are learning from my food is medicine and functional medicine approach and actually having direct access to this type of well care through the Allie Miller RD website and that it's changing their lives. And it, it just, it just really that that right there kind of shakes me to my core and is a big reason of why I believe I'm here and and a part of my purpose and um, it's the work that I will never tire from because the rewards are so vast and being someone that's you know humanitarian humanitarian and uh, you know hippie ish whatnot nature of just wanting everyone to get along and thrive and, and feel good and find peace and balance. Um, I think that this is my calling and delivery to do that. And so you, uh, will likely continue to hear my message evolve and change. And, um, I'm growing as is the community. And I am so grateful that all of you are here and are a part of it. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.